0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Since Father Robert usually takes this same week each year for part of his vacation, I have preached on this text at St. Luke's before. The last time I read the portion of the gospel where Jesus says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at the banquets. And I kind of made fun of myself as I stood before you and spoke from a lofty place, wearing long robes, and with a prime seat in our place of worship. But I hope and pray that neither me nor any other clergy person comes across to you as holier than that. My job and the job of all the clergy is to be an example of a humble servant of God, not someone that is any closer to God than anyone else. None of us should be any more exalted than any other member of the household of God. After Jesus had warned the people against those who held themselves in such high regard, he watched as members of the community came forward to offer their gifts. As I told you before, the practice at the time, since they didn't have checks or offering envelopes, was to each come forward and to drop their offering into the collection basket. Then the person doing the collection would announce the name of the giver and the amount of the offering. So Jesus watched as many rich people smugly dropped large sums of money into the collection. Then a poor widow came and put in two small coins, which we're told were worth about a penny. When Jesus saw this, he called his disciples to him and he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the Treasury. In those days, a widow who had no family to support her was at the mercy of the community. She had no social status, no assets, no resources of her own. Her only way to provide for herself would have been to beg in order to meet her needs this woman gave everything she had. There was nothing left. No one one was going to take her in and provide for her. What on earth could motivate someone with almost nothing to give all that she had to God's work in her community? The answer is that she was a woman of deep and simple faith. As a matter of fact, it would appear that faith and a grateful heart was the only thing that she had, but it was enough. She knew that God had provided for her in the past, and she trusted that God would provide for her in the future. Walter Brueggemann, the author and theologian, says of people who exhibit deep faith in the face of dire situations, it comes in many ways among those who will not give in, but who trust fully in the promises rather than in the circumstances and are unafraid. It comes when we stake our lives on the Word of God And that word does not return to us empty. It goes its own way, has its own say, does what it intends. So the vision comes among us when the word is treasured. The widow that Jesus encountered in the synagogue trusted fully in the promises rather than the circumstances. When seen in this light, this gospel story is actually not about what people give, as important as that may be. No, it's about a way of life. It tells of a way of living that puts total faith in the fact that God will never leave us alone to face all of life's trials and tribulations. It is abiding secure in the knowledge that even if the most unimaginable and awful things happen, we are not alone. God and Christ is there to comfort us and to sustain us. All will ultimately be well. In the parish I served in Baltimore, We had a significant number of members that had immigrated from Liberia, West Africa. One of our parishioners had helped to found an orphanage there, and our church had contributed to the orphanage and to several other relief efforts in Liberia as they attempted to recover from the devastation of two civil wars. So we decided to take a mission trip to Liberia to see firsthand the country the people, the orphanage, and to discern how we might best be of assistance and encouragement in the area. It was an amazing trip, and I was touched deeply by the people and their resilient spirit. While I was there, I met the most amazing man. He was a man of remarkable faith, Just being in his presence, one could feel a palpable sense of peace. We were invited to his home for a meal, and he and his wife were most gracious hosts. During our time in their home, he told us of the harrowing time that they had endured during the second of the civil wars that Liberia had suffered. He said that the fighting had escalated And was approaching his home in Monrovia. He tried desperately to get his wife to leave for her own safety, but she was adamant that she was not going to leave her home. That evening he could hear and see the fighting getting nearer to the street on which they lived. The fear was overwhelming, so he knelt and he prayed. He said he knew that God had blessed him beyond all measure and he trusted that God would embrace him even in death if that was what was to come. My friend turned the situation over to God and trusted that even if the unthinkable happened, that he was a child of God and ultimately, all would be well. Immediately, he he felt a sense of peace and calm come over him, and he knew that he was to stay in his home. He and his wife would protect one another if it came to that, but they both felt at peace. When the fighting in the neighborhood subsided and the dust settled, he was amazed to find that the only house still standing was his. He was willing to give all that he had in faith. He didn't believe that God had chased the people that threatened his community away. He only believed that God had sustained him and those he loved in their darkest hour. He trusted fully in the promises, rather than the circumstances, and was unafraid. My friends, the poor widow gave all that she had in faith. How did she fare afterwards? We don't know. We can never know. But what we do know is that she believed that God was good and faithful and that God would sustain her, no matter what the situation she faced. The widow in our Gospel account and my friend in Liberia have much in common. They had no guarantees that their situation would change, but they had complete faith in the God of love. Each of us have times in our lives when we are not sure that we can go on. And I'm not implying that all we have to do is pray and no bad things will happen to us. We will still suffer hardships. Pain and brokenness will still be a part of our lives. But God does promise that we are never alone. God in Christ grieves with us when we grieve, suffers with us when we suffer. Last week at this service, we sang hymn number 379. That happens to be my most favorite hymn of all time. God is love. It speaks of the never ending love of God. And the second verse of this hymn really speaks to my heart. God is love, and love enfolds us, all the world in one embrace. With unfailing grasp, God holds us, every child of every race. And when human hearts are breaking under sorrow's iron rod, then we find that self-same aching deep within the heart of God. The love of God is constant. And as Brueggemann says, it comes among those who will not give in, but who trust fully in the promises rather than the circumstances and are unafraid. It comes when we stake our lives on Jesus, the Word of God, Amen.